All right. Welcome to the Aristogamer podcast for the month of June. Uh, joining me, Colby, is uh, Devin and yep. Casey. So Hello. we are ready to get down to business. So E3 Damn. was earlier this month. It was a couple weeks ago. We had a uh, an after E3 podcast in which we freaked out quite a bit. Um, and now... <laughs> Now we've had the chance to calm down and you know eat some cake and and get back to our normal lives. So I'd like to I'd like to sort of go through some of the best things that we thought that we saw at E three. Maybe some things that we wish we would have seen but we didn't see enough of. So what do you guys think? Uh, I would I wish that there had been a lot more information given on this Assassin's Creed three Liberation because I'll admit I didn't really know that it was actually confirmed or not until E3. I don't know if it was supposed to have been or if they actually kept it under wraps until E3. I, I don't know. I don't care. But just the fact that it's kind of taking place as a branch story alongside with Assassin's Creed 3 during Revolution only in New Orleans and with the female assassin and all i just i want i want to know more about this like what they're actually trying to do with this because the other assassin's creed handheld i played pretty much blue yeah i actually brought this up um in a discussion earlier where i said that the playstation vita really has something to prove to me because they also have announced um call of duty black ops declassified uh and that's going to be a call of duty black ops game for the vita that's not for any other console uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean a good thing, because in the past, I mean, all of the PSP games, uh, specifically for, let's say, uh, you know, for Assassin's Creed, for any other Call of Duty, for a lot of games, actually, is uh, none of them have been really good. So no, not, they're going to have to prove to me that I am going to get something that is an experience that I would maybe get on a console, but I'm just getting it in a smaller version. I mean, I, I that's what they need to prove to me, and it's going to be hard to show that. Absolutely. The uh, the kind of disappointment that I felt when I first – I f- finished the first Assassin's Creed game, and I loved it. And I wanted to play more on that guy himself, on um, – what's Altair. his name? Altair. And when I played Bloodlines, I think it's called, it was just – at first it seemed kind of cool. It's like, okay, you know, this looks kind of similar. The graphics are – you know, they're, they're pretty they're pretty decent enough for a handheld. That's what I would expect. This is pretty good. You know, still have the – the kind of the parkour running around thing. And then after about five minutes into the game, I turned it off and I took it right back to GameStop and tried to return it, if not just sell it. I don't remember what I ended up doing because it was just absolutely horrible and such a letdown, which is really disappointing because I love the series otherwise. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I wish I, we had seen more about Bioshock Infinite. Uh, I, it, I heard it had been delayed till 2013 uh, before E3. And then we heard nothing about it at E3, and I would have just I would have, I would have been happy with like a thirty-second video gameplay video or something because that game is really interesting, um, especially considering how awesome the first Bioshock was. And then, uh, then you're missing out, sir. And then, um, uh, and then I kind of wished that I'd seen a more uh, unique, a, a new IP for the Vita. Like so far, when they've announced titles. They've announced, you know, Assassin's Creed game, a Call of Duty game, which are going to be great. I mean, Mortal Kombat came to the Vita, and it was pretty awesome. And so I, I'm, I'm happy that they're showing off that the Vita can basically play games that are just PS3 light games. That they're not they're not some spinoff that sucks. They're not, you know, a, 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 special, a special version catered towards a, a, a game con- console with no second stick. It's going to be a game that's going to be just like the PS3 version, which is a little different story, maybe a little bit less powerful graphics. But I think I, w- I wish a developer would take that and then make it a good one. 
make a good new IP that is not exactly a just a spin-off of, of a Yeah, I've got to agree with that. Um I have a Vita. I'm one of the few people that does. Uh and I actually just finished up Gravity Rush. Um and Gravity Rush was incredible. Um I love the game. There were it's definitely some problems with it they need to revamp it for the next for the next game and I I'm sure that's going to happen, but um the only uh you know the only new IPs that I can think of for the Vita are uh, Gravity Rush and maybe PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. I think that counts, but it's going to come out on two consoles. I mean, both of them Sony, obviously. But um, and there was Ruin, if I'm not mistaken. Ruin was a was a game that was also PS3 to play to PlayStation Vita functionality type thing. But I can't really name off very many first party IPs uh, that are going to be exclusive to PlayStation Vita that are good. Um, I'm sure I know that I've seen them. I know that I've seen games that are exclusive to this console that, you know, maybe are interesting or maybe they utilize some touching interfaces. Maybe they do some different things, but most of them either have been ports or new IPs that haven't really impressed me that much. Gravity Rush was the only one that I was actually really excited about as far as new games go. And uh, I got it. I played it. and Now it's done. And now I don't have anything else to look forward to. Yeah, I feel like I feel like a, a puzzle, uh, uh, any kind of puzzle game that they can utilize both touchscreens would be really cool. Like, like imagine like trying to like turn a cube, and so you're touching the back screen to turn it one way, and then you're you're touching the forward screen to move another, or no, no. you know, different interfaces with the with puzzle games would be great on the. Vita. That would really show off capabilities of the Vita too, being able to have yeah. that because timing with puzzle games the, to utilize the screens would really really have to be down and in order to actually get that timing in obviously the game would have to take advantage of what the hardware has and so if they're able to get that completely spotless that would really show off the capabilities and i think that would come across as a really great showcase for it yeah Over- yeah oh. i agree overall i found that there are more things that i was interested about that weren't on the e3 press conferences i went to other gaming sites that had videos about you know um uh, game uh what am I thinking of? Borderlands 2, or uh, other games that weren't showcased in in the press conferences that I was more interested about. And... Yeah, there's gonna be a lot more sports games this year than I would have anticipated. Uh, yeah, this same year. year. This will be the first year I'm actually gonna buy a FIFA game or a uh, soccer. What, really? Game. Yep. Wow. Uh, okay. I'm actually gonna buy. What a convinced game. you? Um, first playing a, a soccer game at all. I'm actually gonna picked up a controller and played a soccer game, and I'm like, oh, this is fun. And then remembering E3 going, oh, right, EA announced a new soccer game. I'll probably pick that up. Um, or either just going back and getting FIFA 12. But I, I kind of, like, I, I, when it comes to sports and sports games, I don't care, honestly. I'm just not that I'm just not that kind of fan, but I do like soccer. Yeah. So, like, soccer is the one sport I'll watch. I was happy to see E3 wasn't completely banking on the big time sequels like the big time call of duty and the call the are the new black ops coming for consoles and computer and all that that that, yeah okay those are a big thing coming assassin's creed 3 is a big thing and but they're they're actually going not just not i want to say independent but they're going for more unique titles i mean you've got the super smash brothers playstation edition coming out you've got the uh avengers game uh that's 
the South awesome. Park game, I've been reading up on articles and even before it got that first delay and everything. And I'm actually really excited about that game just because Trey Stone and Matt Parker are working on this game and they want it to be what they've always envisioned and everything. I mean, we've all read those articles and these there's a lot of games coming out that actually are pretty cool looking and aren't just Call of Duty 5 and, you know, Final Fantasy 53 and all that. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of those new and awesome games are smaller titles that they're I mean they're it, it's okay I guess but they're smaller titles that are either digital games or they're going to be iPhone or iPad games which are which are great but I mean it, I just wish that one company would take the risk and would take the risk that comes with a new IP and say we're going to put this we're going to invest millions of dollars on this we're going to invest a team on this and we're going to make a great game that's not up. And I think Watch actually what yeah, I would be interested in marketability too, because yeah. I mean, this is still a business in the end. And as much of an artistic sense and as much as we want to enjoy these more unique titles and all, unless they are very certain that they're going to be able to make a profit on it, in which the only way that they're fairly certain is if it is more of the mainstream titles and sequels and that, or if it's done through independent funding they're really going to have a difficulty being able to sell that idea just because they need to make money off of it in the end. And if they lose a lot of money, then you possibly lose potentially good writers on games. I mean, writers are like, you know, people that like Mahjong that did Minecraft and everything. If that had been funded through EA and they decided to just shove it out the door, EA would be really swimming in a pool of regret and guilt simply because they didn't go through it in the end, but they also would have made the smart choice because you really have no way of knowing. Yeah, and I mean, you you take a lot of risk into your hands whenever you try to publish a title that's sort of new and, and quirky. Um, I think Valve has done a very good job of, of doing something like that, but most developers don't, and that's uh, fine, because they're in the business of making money. They want to make money off of the off of their titles. And how are you going to prove that something uh, is something you should invest in? And that would be past data. So this game is like this game, which was successful, and it was like this game that was successful. And if you can rattle off five or six games that were very successful that your game that you're trying to pitch is like, then that's going to say to somebody, "This is probably going to be, excuse me, a safe investment." So, yeah, but at the same time. Then you have companies that are doing the exact opposite way, too. Like, when you brought up Valve, that made me think, okay, they know that if they just got off their lazy butts and finished Half-Life 2, or get Episode 3, or get Half-Life 3 going, I mean, whatever, get some news out, something, that's going to sell. That's pretty much a guarantee. But for some reason, they're banking on these other titles. They got Portal 2 out before they even made mention of another Half-Life, which I think, as much as Portal 2, and I love that game... There's some companies out there that are they're just not making much sense to me because I mean come on there's no reason to put this off anymore it's going to sell there's yep. you don't have to be so hesitant on it I mean so far what I've seen on the internet is that um it just Valve as a company is afraid of the number 3 because think about it they've got Half-Life Half-Life 2 Half-Life Episode 1 Half-Life Episode 2 Left 4 Dead Left 4 Dead 2 Portal Portal 2 Dota 2 is coming out uh, they just don't like to deal in threes. I don't know why. It's an unlucky number for them. I guess it's so. I mean, hey. that's the best I can think. Uh, another thing that I'd like to see as far as E3 goes is um, maybe a stronger mobile showing because I get yeah. that they're not really in the class of you know portable of console games, but it would be kind of nice, kind of at least neat 
to see maybe a one-hour Apple presentation or a one-hour Google presentation, one-hour Microsoft presentation of just mobile games where it's like, and coming to the Windows Phone 8 is going to be this really cool game. Now watch this, have a really cool demo of it, and be like, you can buy it for $5 on the App Store. Here we go. Thanks, guys. And showing off cool stuff like that, I think, would lend a lot of legitimacy to the mobile platform as far as gaming credibility goes because there are a lot of good titles that came out on mobile that are now moving to pc uh namely uh oh, what was that uh super brother stored and sorcery ep that moved yeah. to pc um and i mean that was a portable title that moved to a lot of different portable titles uh, to a lot of different portable consoles before it came to pc uh and i, I think that's a concept that I think mobile gaming is starting to get good, which is, I mean, which is as why hesitant is because it's starting to get good now. They they don't want to bank on making showcases on it, and that a lot of people are thinking, oh, Microsoft is going to be banking a majority of their future gaming on mobile platforms. This may or may not be good, and now they've just blown themselves out of the water at an E3 conference, which can really hinder on their sales throughout because right. of the news that will be but, reported from there. So they're being hesitant on that too. But, I mean, what I'm talking about specifically is having, like, you know, the Microsoft Windows 8 phone division having their presentation or having Apple. Apple doesn't have a gaming presence at E3, so they have no reputation to ruin. If they just show up and they were like, hey, guys, Fruit Ninja 2 is coming and, uh, I don't know, Infinity Blade 5 or something and a whole bunch of these really cool games that are going to be coming out. If they had that kind of showcase, I think that would be good for developers. I think that would make developers want to develop for those platforms more because it's like, okay, well... All of a sudden, me being by myself making this mobile game, I can make a splash at this at this game conference, even though I don't have any money to be there because you know these larger companies would say something like that. And yeah. in addition uh-huh. to the mobile space, there's uh, I I also feel like E3 has been kind of skipped over by some of the Japanese companies, specifically Square Enix. They had only one thing show uh, that was Square Enix esque. In you know in their Final Fantasy demo that they showed off, which was Agni's Promise, or Agni's something. It started with a P. Um, and th- that Agni's philosophy. That's what it was. So they just showed off this new engine that they have, which is scalable to any platform. They say I don't really believe that, but um, they say that it's scalable to any platform. It showed off really well. It looked really good. But it was just a trailer. It was no game. They had no announcements for new games. They had no announcements on Final Fantasy Versus 13. Nothing. It was all solely this one trailer. They didn't have a press conference. They didn't pop in on anybody. Nothing. They had almost zero presence. And I think a lot of uh, Japanese developers are waiting for Tokyo Game Show. And don't get me wrong, that's a completely valid strategy, especially if your title's releasing closer to Tokyo Game Show uh with respect to where you know where TGS and E3 are placed in the calendar, but I think that having Japanese companies actually show up and say, "Here's our game," or maybe we'll show you more at TGS. That would be a lot for them, and I, I, I don't know. It just feels like E3 is starting to be neglected more and more by foreign developers. Yeah, that yeah. I wouldn't like right there. If they showed up, showcase, or not really showcase, but you know, play that trailer for one game and say, if you want more information, come to our conference over here where we're going to be doing a whole bunch of different things too. It's just sort of – there's that's really not necessary, guys. I mean yeah. it's kind of a bully thing to do. You don't show up at something and say, hey, we're actually going to do this or the other thing, so psych – I mean, if you're not going to be doing something at E3, then you don't go. It's that's, that's a good point. Otherwise, you're just coming across as really, really rude, and it 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 wasn't well played at all. It was just really pathetic, honestly. Well, I I don't know about that because it, it gives them more time to to showcase more things. 
because if they say like Square Enix did post something besides a trailer, like they posted the trailer and then they said, "Here's our concept video game," uh, you know, like 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 the Wii U did last year. Here's a, here's a here's a cutscene that we have conceptualized with with the engine in mind. They showed it off at a press conference with Sony or whatever. Then they say, "Okay." And then, you know, after E3, they go, uh, like, post-E3 the week after, say, hey, TGS, we're going to have more on this. That's going to put more, pro- that's going to generate more press because more people are going to be watching E3 at the time. Then, if, if more people are paying attention to E3, more eyes are on it, and they hear about that, they're going to, oh, okay, let's pay more attention to this other thing that's happening. But, in, I mean, in all fairness, E3 is more, is less for us as as gamers, as fans or consumers, and more for you know, future investors, people who are reporting on it, like us, but, you know, like, more for, you know, press press conferences and are, are for the press, period. You know, more people watch it, but it's not really for us. We're, we're the people from the outside looking in. We're more interested in all the game demos and the new games coming out and stuff, and the press conferences are, are, are them showing off their strongest hitters for people to be like, okay, no, this thing is worth investing in, or this this company is doing well. Imagine it. I, I think that I think that I think that E three is more like a State of the Union address for like each company. Like we're doing fantastic. Don't you know pull our money. Don't say, well, say well, good right things about us. Why you shouldn't show up? Give about four minutes worth of a trailer that may or may not give good information, and then leave. I mean, if you, if you're gonna do it, then you do it. Otherwise, you, you, I mean, like with well, State of the Union, you don't want to just come on the TV as the president and say things are happening later and then walk off. Well, yeah. That, that happened throughout the entire conference, anyway. Like there were there were game demos and t- trailer videos and like different booths throughout the entire you know conference that just weren't you know previewed on the big stages. Like there are plenty of gameplay demos and and new things coming out that maybe like even Dishonored. Like Dishonored is probably a good example that it got no FaceTime at all on the press conferences uh, for anybody. But it's probably a really awesome game and got probably a gameplay demo of some kind. And it seems to be like a really good game, but it's all it's got is probably one small, like, five-second, five-minute demo, maybe, in a, in a trailer video. But that's that's all I had, but what they gave you was really good, and a lot of people were interested, including me. Yeah, I mean, as far as E3 as a gaming venue goes, I think a lot of things have been... I think it's a lot of emphasis has been placed on the show and, uh, you know, showing to people that, you know, you're doing well and everything. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I do think no. that it's uh, it's less of a con... Uh, it's less of a, I guess, a, a press event about... Here are the really good games that are coming. Please be excited and more about. Please uh, enjoy and have more faith in our company because of the titles that are coming out. And I don't think that's really a bad thing. I mean, that's no, you know, we... saying that's Sony saying we are a very strong brand. We have a very strong console. Here are the games that are coming out, and this is why you should pick us. And I mean, that's a very that's a very logical business thing to do. It helps out the it helps out the developers by showing off their software. It helps out the console manufacturers by giving people a reason to buy their console. In fact, I was talking to somebody today that was like, "Well, I don't really know if I want to get a PlayStation Vita or not. There's this one game that I kind of want to get, but I'm on the fence." And I was like, "Well, I mean, Gravity Rush is is great, fantastic. Uncharted: Golden Abyss is pretty good, and there are going to be some cool titles coming out." So. I would say wait maybe or definitely get it now and being able to empower somebody to say here like somebody who has nothing to do with a company being able to empower them to say hey this is why you should pick this console um is what I think E3 is all about yeah 
because for 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 more other like smaller conventions, we have like TGS, you have Gamescom, you have uh, the GDC earlier in the year, and those those are the, those are the places where you find more like you know less showy things, but more about it's more about the games, less about the show. And I feel like that's that's a fine balance that we can that we can establish at some point. So I mean I think we've I think we've exhausted um, E3 pretty much as a yeah, uh, as a topic. About that any of the new games, but it's okay. It's it's already up on the site. You can read it. Yeah, I mean all all of the new games trailers, all of that is uh, is up on our website. Um, we also have. Um, We'd like to talk about specifically. I'd like to bring this up: Microsoft Surface, um, yeah. Windows 8, and gaming. Because Microsoft just announced that they have a tablet that they're coming out, which is strange that they're competing with their hardware manufacturers. But at the same time, it's sort of like a hero product, and I, I get where they're going with this. But they're announcing a tablet. Um, it, it from what it looks like, it's going to be a good, pretty snappy tablet, and it's supposed to show off exactly what Windows 8 can do and be as both a um, as both a what is it? A consumption and a creation device, so you can create content and consume content on it. Uh, that's what they're trying to build it as. Um, and I'd like to talk about how that may affect gaming, especially because now it's this strange blend of what we're seeing on cell phones and tablets and what we're seeing on desktops. So do you think we're going to have desktop-level games that have been downsized, or are we going to have phone apps that are upsized, some weird mix between the two? I mean, where do you are, is there going to – is this really going to start blurring the line? Because I think that – uh, spells a lot of good things for phone developers and a lot of bad things for uh, PC developers because all of a sudden you take a look at a game like uh, Angry Birds and if that comes out on Windows 8, all of a sudden it's sold 2 million copies. They've made you know millions of dollars off of it. Why would you want to invest $5 million into a PC game whenever you could invest $20,000 into a game that will come out on PC and do just as well? Because I don't think that even with the Microsoft tablet, it still is going to be a tablet. And so games that are made for that kind of PC aren't going to be of the same kind of quality or caliber that are going to be on the full-on desktop games that you see with PC gamers. I mean, you're not going to see Call of Duty Black Ops 2 on the Microsoft Surface. It's going to be – if it's going to be a well, Black Ops, it's going to be like what was showcased at E3. It's going to be a the other – that side branch port – version of it that's going to be scaled down for it to be able to be handled on the uh, smaller computer and for it to be able to be utilized with the touchscreen and everything because if you're playing a full-on FPS with that kind of a touchscreen that isn't made for that kind of touchscreen it's not going to be a very good or very smooth port. Well the thing about the Surface is that the the pro version that they've announced that's probably going to be the one that everybody invests in is actually come it, uh, both both versions come with a keyboard uh, a, a pretty cool looking like magnetic keyboard that actually works um, the pro version is going to be running an Ivy Bridge processor uh, running Windows 8 and it's going to have USB 3.0 it's going to have I think two USB 3.0 ports so like theoretically if 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 the when the surface comes out and you buy the and you invest in the pro version you could play a call of duty game or starcraft 2 on the surface because it has a keyboard it has the traditional keyboard and mouse setup it, that option is available for you but it also has a touchscreen interface yeah and so i i'm i'm curious to see how they how games go from there because if you have Infinity Blade Five on the on the Microsoft Surface. That's gonna. You're right. That's gonna sell games. People are gonna invest money in it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fun. You know, I, I'll play Angry Birds on the Microsoft Surface. Sure, 
Okay. Who's doing the uh, GPU on it? What are the graphics on it? They um, haven't it, announced it yet. Well, I mean, okay, so the graphics, they haven't they haven't talked about a discrete graphics unit. If I had to bet, though, they would be using the graphics unit that is on Ivy Bridge, which would be the Intel HD 4000 graphics unit. And surprisingly, I mean, you would think onboard graphics is actually not very good, but um, Intel graphics can run, um, the, the, the Intel 4000 graphics can run, uh, what was it, Mass Effect 3 in high settings. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, wow. that doesn't... It doesn't surprise me much because of how how well um, you can get like smaller like it, I'd I'd say I'd like to compare the Surface to like a, a a low end PC from about three or four years ago, where it has enough cap it has enough um, you know graphics processing to run a game probably I mean and it can run certain things uh, at certain settings. <laughs> Like it's kind of very general and vague at the moment because you don't have exactly specifics. But I w- I would be surprised because the uh, the pro is going to run, it's going to be able to run Windows eight. Think oh yeah announced... yeah the pro is going to have the uh, quad core i five in it, and that's uh, that's not something that's just that's not an everyday kind of oh it's just a dinky CPU. No, it's it, it it's going to have capabilities. So that's why I was yeah. curious on the graphics work because I'm sure it'll be capable and everything, but. At the same time, I don't see how it's going to hurt people on sales on should they invest it for this with the Surface as compo- as opposed to investing in that game for the PC. Because if it's being made for both the PC and for, uh, for the actual desktop and for a tablet like the Surface and everything, then the investment is going to go towards that game that's going to be available for both. I mean, I don't know about it, – it re- I guess it really depends on what Surface-specific uh, games there are going to be. That um, if there's going to be any kind of actual development towards very cool, very unique, hardcore gaming just on that tablet alone that won't we, be available for regular PC. You see, here's here's where the line starts to get a little blurry. Um, they actually just had today a press conference about Windows Phone 8. Uh, Windows Phone 8 looks almost exactly like Windows 8 except for not that the desktop uh, feature. You can't do the desktop feature, and right. that's that's fine. But they have what they call um, what they call a common kernel. So what they're doing is a oh, common okay. core. So yeah, what they're saying sense. is you can compile code for Windows 8, which, by the way, the Microsoft Surface tablet will run Windows 8. It's Windows 8, uh, the same thing that you put on your desktop. It'll be on the Surface. Um, it's just that you'll have you know a touchscreen and everything, so it's well, it's basically a PC in a different form factor. But well, whenever you the, take into account that the Windows Phone 8 has a common kernel, and what they have said is that with very minimum changes, you can take the exact same thing that you've written for Windows Phone 8 and take it to Windows 8, or from Windows 8, vice versa. So we may actually see a lot of these games being ported down to down to cell phones, or into tablets, or up to Windows. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see cell phone games start scaling up, but I would be surprised to see uh, desktop games start to scale down. Yeah, exactly. Well, one thing to point out is um, if it, since the, the Pro version specifically will, will be able to run Windows 8, which means it'll be able to run Steam, which kind of it, it, which kind of kind of infers the fact that if it, if it could run Steam and it can run computer PC games, you no know, P- traditional desktop PC games, then that'll be a big step in the right direction that you say, okay, if it can run Steam, then that means pretty much any PC game developed that's attached to Steam can be used. You know, you can play, you can take your tablet with a magnetic rubber keyboard, uh, put, it, put put out the stand, 
and then sit down in in a, in a coffee room table and play Left 4 Dead 2 with your friends. Then you can yeah. also take it take it on the train with you and play um, Angry Birds. And but that, how is that any different from playing on a gaming laptop though? Because you don't have um, the the options of the mobile game space. I think I think that's what they're introducing to uh, the Surface is the concept that not you don't have to pick what kind of gaming paradigm you're you're doing, mobile or non-mobile. Um, specifically with the pro version, I completely forgot that there was the pro version and the non-pro version. The non-pro version yeah. is straight up Microsoft Surface running Windows RT, which yeah. is Windows but without the um, but no with numbers. an ARM processor and without legacy apps for x86. So that means none of the old stuff that you're used to seeing on Windows is there uh, unless they have ported it specifically. So the pro would be something that you would take. Um, you could probably play some Steam games on. I'm not going to say all of them because um, yeah. I'm sure you know desktop core graphics. They all they're all the same. But uh, yeah, um, yeah you, Casey makes a good point in that that means that Steam is going to run on it, so you can download these things. The only thing that I'm kind of uh, sketchy about is how are they going to handle the touch interface on Steam specifically within specific games? I mean, even yeah. uh, even if we take Steam out of the question, any game, how are they going to handle the touch interface? Is it going to be exactly. like a mouse click or what? Exactly. That's that's what I was curious on. I think, I, I mean, I, as more information comes out, we'll find out. I'm, I'm kind oh, of yeah. interested to see how this is going to go towards the Smart Glass initiative that they announced at E3. That yeah. They they announced uh, I think a week ago they announced the My Xbox Live app which turns your window which turns pretty much any phone now into uh, other than your Windows 8 phone into uh, your a remote control for your Xbox so you can use it while you're watching a movie and if you don't have 150 dollars for a connect you can basically just you know forward uh, reverse pause you can use it to navigate menus. And I wonder how the Surface is using Windows 8 along with Windows Phone is going to kind of go forward in progressing that idea of going of being able to like say you're on your tablet coming home and you're you need to you know TiVo something with or you want to download you want to say you want to download a movie for dinner but you're at work so you can use your iPad your your new Windows Surface to do that then you come home oh hey the, the movie is already downloaded and streamed and ready to go i can sit down with you know with a new thing of popcorn and i didn't have to sit there and wait five minutes for it to happen anyway and this also opens up the possibility i think microsoft is making a lot of really clandestine really large moves that are very public but a lot of people don't um they're underestimating what microsoft can do so if you take a look they have the Xbox 360, which has a whole bunch of connected TV apps, okay? So reasonably, you could cut the cord with cable um, with the 360. And even as it improves, that's going to be an even easier thing to do. So you can do that. You can have uh, your Microsoft Surface tablet, which can also be your mobile PC if you really want it to be. You can have uh, the Windows 8 laptop, the Windows 8 desktop, the Windows 8 phone. All of these things are going to be able to interact with each other. You're going to be able to uh, at least share media between them easily. They're going to, I mean, it's a lot of, uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot like the Apple paradigm in that if you have an iPhone, it's going to work really well with your Mac. 
which is going to work really well with your iPod, which is going to work really well with your iPad, right? All of these yeah. things work together just because they're all produced by the same company. I think that's going to be the same thing with anything with the Windows brand on it. And I think a lot of people really underestimate how uh, how Microsoft is doing uh, is is bringing all of these devices together and making them work really well. In fact, um, if if Windows eight if Windows Phone 8 becomes a widely adopted thing and so does Windows 8 tablets, like if it's not a commercial flop, um, I would be surprised to see, um, you know, Google and Apple with the market share that they have right now, that they have the the huge lead over Microsoft in portable OSs. So I'd be surprised to see uh, if if they maintain that lead over Microsoft, given that there's a whole bunch of connectivity things here. All you have to do is, you know, I have a Windows 8 PC and then, you know, you go and you're like, well, I can buy, I guess I can buy, uh, you know, this iPhone or I can buy this Android. But I do know that this Windows 8 phone can connect with my PC automatically. I can share photos between the two. I can turn on my PC from anywhere and stream any content. I can also use it to control my Xbox and turn that on, set Netflix to download something for me. So having all of these connected devices connected all through the cloud, which Microsoft has already built an infrastructure for, is going to be a really big selling point. And it's going to be something that Microsoft is going to be looking to bank on. And specifically how that applies to gaming is that, uh, you know, Sony, Sony and Nintendo are doing a lot, um, you know, God bless their souls, to be, uh, to be, that one box that you need in the living room. Uh, the only thing that they don't have is interactivity with the PC, with the tablet, with the phone, and that is exactly where Microsoft is heading to a lot faster than they are. Yeah, and I think I think that, like, historically, Microsoft hasn't been that kind of connectivity company. Like, they've, they've been, all right, here's your desktop, and now you got to go find a different laptop and a different phone. They had, like... They've had a Windows 8, a Windows Phone before, but it hasn't exactly. It's functionally, it's been able to connect to your computer in some way, but it hasn't been as streamlined as they're trying to make it, which is what Apple has done. So, a good comparison is how Apple's done that kind of streamlined connectivity, uh, keeping the same experience from phone to tablet to PC, that same kind of experience on the same OS and the similar kind of operation of it. That's the kind of connect smooth connectivity that apple has kind of worked with and the fact that microsoft's doing this is kind of weird because i've never i've never known microsoft to do that kind of thing they've just said here's our stuff and it's really good and robust but you know selling selling functionality and smoothness hasn't always been microsoft's high point yeah and i mean to specifically take this down let's let's bust out the microscopes and and take it away from all of microsoft and focus specifically on xbox um what Man. they're doing what they're doing with that with the software is is pretty good but that leak that they just had is way more interesting than I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be oh yeah maybe some hardware specs maybe some of this some, some new games or whatever maybe a new connect version or whatever but they're actually trying to do some really nifty things with the next Xbox Yeah they are they're they're uh they're banking on making this a console not just based on you know, full 1080p HD output and, you know, improved memory, improved storage, improved graphics, but they're uh, making it a lot, uh, go for a lot more unique approach with this too, with the uh, smart glass that they could be, that it's just a rumor, but, you know, including the smart glass having a built-in connect to or whatever the upgraded connect is going to be called and that, uh, 
that uh, reality glasses thing. And uh, I think the with this new console, I think they're sort of doing. I think they're they're running dangerously close to falling into this um, jack of all trades, master of none thing. Uh, but I think they're doing it really smart because from what I've read in the document. So, I mean, basically, for anybody that doesn't know, to just catch you up, basically, they're going to have uh, really high output. They're going to have 3D, Blu-ray, um, 6 to 8 cores, either ARM or x86, um, 2 gigahertz, maybe 3.2 gigahertz um, to, to do backward compatibility with the 360 games, and 4 gigs of RAM. Now, DDR4 in addition, RAM too. they're using the new four instead of sticking with the DDR3 that we've been using. Right. So, I mean, DDR4, it, I, I don't know how much faster it is than DDR3, but obviously it's faster. Um, the, 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 uh, the other new thing that I thought was really neat. So the Connect 2 is something that they're also going to be doing, which is going to be that it's going to feature more tracking, more accurate tracking, uh, better imaging, better uh, resolution support, all of that. Um, but the other really cool hardware piece that they're adding into this are, are glasses. Uh, it looks like, from what it looks like in the images, imagine if you were playing, I don't know, let's say Call of Duty or, or uh, Metroid Prime, one of my favorites, and the, uh, the HUD, the human, uh, oh god, I forgot what it was heads called, whatever, display. the heads-up display. Imagine if the heads-up display was on the glasses instead of the TV. So all of a sudden, you can see everything on the TV. Your vision isn't cluttered with your with your HUD. So you can look outside of the TV to see what you want to see about your uh, uh, about anything else. So you can all you all of a sudden this opens up the game. Uh, the game console to not be just displayed on the TV, but to be displayed on other things to to widen the view of what the game is, and that could also take it into AR games, which are, are something that uh, Nintendo and Sony have been experimenting with with uh, a mild success. But you know that opens it up to you know, oh man, I, I can I can imagine Hideo Kojima coming out with. Metal Gear Solid 5, which, by the way, was just confirmed recently. Metal Gear Solid 5 is going to be a thing, and Solid Snake is back. But uh, um, yeah. basically, I can imagine him being like, you know, you you get to fight a boss that's kind of like Psycho Mantis, and all of a sudden you have to look around you physically with these glasses on to find out where he is. Yeah. I, I'm i curious. I'm curious as well to see how they, how they develop that, because it sounds like I think the possibilities are really awesome. They they have some really awesome possibilities that could where they could they could move these kind of interactivity devices interactive devices is what I like to call it because it's it's using the connection to move your hands and using the glasses to see with the, your eyes but you're seeing the game you know through in a, in a different way instead of just instead of just interrupting the, and it's the same thing smart glasses doing that is your instead of interrupting your on screen experience to you know, give you a friend update, it's happening on your iPad or your iPhone, which is connected to your device anyway. And I think that the the the, the closer they get to this group of connected devices, the more you're going to feel connected when, like, your your phone vibrates in your pocket saying a friend wants to play, uh, you know, Halo while you're at work or something. And then you can go snap on the glasses and be like, hey, what's up? And all of a sudden have, like, a, have like a, have a, a headset in your glasses and do things that it all sounds really awesome and i just we have to wait until people we see like the the functioning you know product versions of it and the future's now did the future's now guys i mean no the future I, is I next really year think these, these peripherals can have a uh, have a well 
for lack of trying to sell like an advertiser, have a really bright future ahead. Because it's not trying to sell these peripherals in, like you've seen even with the recent Wii peripherals or other things, that yeah, they're attachments, they kind of simulate that you're using the gun, but it's still using the Wii modes, or that we've had in the past, that some of them worked, you know, the, the light gun worked on the NES and the other consoles, and then there were some that didn't work, you know, Rob wasn't really that big of a success at all. <laughs> But they gave these things ideas. Now, with as much as technology has advanced, especially in the gaming industry, these kind of peripheral and these ideas that they're using and actually pushing through to make functioning ideas, I think is really opening up possibilities for future gaming. Not, not just in how the display is done, but in the gameplay overall, that we can that we can see possibly even independent companies taking ideas with these peripherals and going, you know what? That's cool that you have that displayed for that first-person shooter idea, but I've got this puzzle idea that will blow your mind, and I want to show you what I'm going to do with this. And it completely surprises everyone. No one saw it coming, and I'm waiting for that kind of wow factor. I'm waiting for something to come out and just blow my mind like the first Portal did. That was a, this is brilliant. How have we not thought of this before? This is fantastic. Yeah. And I think the, that... another cool thing about this that was, I, I think... They they never really alluded to this, but and there's also something that's a little underwhelming is that they are uh, they potentially may support uh, 4K and 8K resolution. I mean, there's nothing in there that says specifically we're only going to support 1080p because 1080p is what we can do at best right now, um, and that's good enough for most people. But TVs are starting to have you know 4K resolution. They're starting to come out, and I remember whenever the PlayStation 3 was just coming out. And the 360 was just coming out, and they were like, well, the 360 came out, and they said, okay, you can do 720p. There you go. That's all you need. And then the the uh, PS3 came out, and they were like, we're going to have an HDMI cable, and you can do up to 1080p. And people were like, there's like 10 TVs in the world that can do that. That's stupid. And sure enough, two years later, there's a lot more 1080p TVs. There's a lot more HDMI connectors. All of a sudden, PS3 can display games in higher resolution than the 360 games do. And then all of a sudden, Xbox has an HDMI port and they support 7 or uh, 1080p. So I think doing uh, doing stuff with 4K and 8K is great. The only thing that um, I was kind of sad about is that their glasses approach. Uh, the thunder was kind of taken out of that by the big media revolution that was Google Project Glasses. Um, the Google uh, Google Glass, I guess, is what it's actually called. But um, it was something out of Google X, and they showed that video that was like a guy walking around and seeing all these cool things. And they've had prototypes walking around, taking pictures and sharing them on the internet and not doing much else. But, I mean, basically, that introduced the idea to the public that, hey, you can have this wearable device that changes how you look at the world and changes how you interact with your cell phone. Well, now all of a sudden we have the exact same concept, except that it's on a, a, a console, but not you know not the phone. So, what what scares me is that that when when we talk about the wow the wow factor or a really great idea that that utilizes the awesomeness of these of these new peripherals, you know, in the future, that it's going to take the risk that I was talking about earlier. It's going to take it's going to take somebody going out like researching and taking. A, a bit of a risk when it comes to you're in uncharted territory. So nobody's ever done this before because this is all brand new. So it's going to take a bit of a risk from some company, and at the moment nobody's doing that. Like you know, you see Beyond and you saw Watch Dogs and E3, you saw new IPs, but a lot of the big companies are are banking money on what banking on what they know will make them money, which is which is isn't bad necessarily, but it's gonna but in the in the future 
when you need when you need companies to invest large amounts of money to utilize something well, you know, the big the big research that goes with the big money is it's going to take somebody taking a risk. And so I want to see who that is. Yeah, I mean, a lot of their peripherals uh, and, and the ideas that are shown off in this uh, in, in this document, which, by the way, was taken down, and it also talks about Smart Glass uh, with Windows 8. Um, they, they basically Smart Glass and their announcement of it sort of confirms that this may be a reliable document, uh, and also the fact that Microsoft has had it removed, or I mean, at least Microsoft Microsoft lawyers have had it removed. Um, you know, I, I get that, um, but maybe, maybe at the same time, Microsoft wasn't thinking about any of these features, and they're still working on the next console. And they were like, "Oh no!" Now they expect us to do 3D, and they wanted to do these glasses things. And somebody actually spent a lot of time doing this 48-page mock-up of what things are going to happen. And I, I you know, maybe we we can't do that. Please take that down before this gets any bigger. And all of a sudden, you know, news places get a hold of it, and it gets crazy. But maybe they right. wanted to leak it on purpose. I don't know. Oops! Look at this information we just dropped in the middle of this very crowded park. My bad. It's really weird that they were like. You know that it, they had to wait until they got uh, until it was like a national news story as far as tech and video game companies go, and then they were like, "Okay, now take down the document." Like they didn't know about it before. Come on, they had Which to have been tipped off about it before. Even more because hey, this document was out. There's people out there that still have copies of it, but it's officially down. I need to read this very intriguing taboo thing. Exactly, and it seems like a. It seems like they may or may not be generating their own buzz, but if all of this stuff is true, the uh, the PS4 or whatever that's going to be called is going to have a hard time uh, matching up to this because they have tried so far. Uh, PlayStation has sort of fallen behind in Microsoft just just slightly in almost every vector. I mean, they've got really good first party uh, first party titles. They have a lot of legacy support that's built in and PS2 sort of helped boost their numbers, but they still haven't been able to catch Microsoft in numbers. Their online uh, their online gaming community isn't as numerous or widely adopted as Microsoft despite being free, yeah, which doesn't make any sense to me. I'm curious on why it's of the major consoles out there, or you know, it, it, you can't even compare it with PC gaming, because I mean, come on, that's like half of PC gaming out there is the multiplayer internet connection, but PS3 is free internet, you don't pay any kind of monthly thing, yet it's still less than Xbox. I've always found that curious. Yeah, it's it is. It's because it's free. It's because it's free. It's because when, you, when you're paying for an Xbox, when you're paying for a service, you get certain expectations. You're expecting a certain amount of of quality when you're paying for a service and you're paying 10 to 15 dollars for xbox live you're getting a lot you're also getting a lot of things you're getting like video rentals you're getting music streaming you're getting video streaming you're getting netflix you're getting hulu plus and hbo go plus games plus games marketplace all these things that you normally wouldn't expect for free i mean imagine like imagine if you like imagine paying for um you know PlayStation Plus, but PlayStation Plus is more like Xbox Live Gold, where you're getting different video service. You're getting like free, you know, video video trials and stuff. You're getting more than just games. 
You're getting video well, and music and streaming and news. I've always, I've always felt that Sony went about it the right way when it came to that. That you have the basic internet connection, you can do multiplayer, you can set up a friends list and all that. That's free with the internet service because if you're doing it in your home, you're already having to pay for the internet in your home, and they don't think it's really right for you to have to, even for a small amount, have to pay again to connect to internet that you're already paying for. But they still have the PlayStation Plus if you want to have those other options involved. If you want to get Netflix streaming on your PlayStation, which you can easily. And if you know a lot of people do that, that's fine. But if you don't want that, if you just want that thing, you shouldn't have to pay for all or nothing. And I, I agree. I agree completely that the Xbox services are really well done. And it's very, uh, what's the word, user-friendly. It's very user-friendly for a lot of yeah. gamers out there. But at the same time, it's still uh, – for me, it's just kind of the principle of the thing and that a lot of people are still willing to swallow that amount of pride and pay that little bit more for a service that they're already pretty much paying for. Well, I think that now that – like back, I think this is kind of a, a – like Xbox Xbox Live Gold in air quotes is kind of a relic of the past because when it, I remember when Xbox Live first came out for the 360 and they're saying, all right, here's a silver service and here's the gold service. I think if they brought that back – saying silver service gets you xbox live and the game marketplace and then gold will get you all the video services you know it, it because now you if you if you don't pay for gold you get silver it's simply what it's labeled as unlike on your on your xboxes you get silver service which is no which you get you know no xbox live connections i think you get a friends list and that's about it but yeah. by paying for gold you get all of these things you get a lot of service you get a lot of uh, really good content. I, I spent two hours checking out video, the video content through Microsoft Video and stuff and the, the iTunes video thing. They've got all, Dragon Ball Z, all nine seasons of the original series, on available for download, available for purchase. They've got seasons of they've got new seasons of like Left for Dead and, and and Game of Thrones and stuff. And if they can stream that, if they have the rights to stream that, new content, seasons of Left for Dead. <laughs> no, uh, sorry, The Walking Dead. The Walking Same Dead. thing, really. Same thing, really. Um, but th they have content that can't be matched in, on any other gaming well, device. Which is well, which it, is well, I, that's fine, and that's and that's okay that people are willing to pay extra for that. But if they're not willing to pay extra, they're pretty much getting a jip on that, and it's for something that's not even really related to gaming. I mean, yes, it, it is a good way to bring in the Xbox as more than just a gaming console. That it's being used as a media center for a lot of homes as, as well. You know, using it for the Netflix, being able to get all these seasons of these shows or movies or whatever, and be able to just stream them automatically. And, you know, in those kind of services, you would expect to have to pay a little bit more because those are very well done and very convenient services for you. And just that even for a basic service, you're kind of getting a little gypped on that. And it's still doing better than the PlayStation service, which isn't trying to drain you for every single kind of five and ten dollars it can out of you that as well as, as good as the service is it's still draining you of the ten to fifteen dollars a month so most people are okay with that some may not be and they may feel a little angry that that's the only way they'll be able to get that full service connectivity even without all this video stuff that they wouldn't be able to really fully enjoy xbox live unless they pay for it um i'm not sure uh I feel like if I'm paying ten extra dollars, ten extra dollars for a solid service, then I think I'm, I, I think I think most people would be okay with that. I think um, the online service is a really good point, um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why Sony has been lagging behind. I mean, it's not even just an online service. Um, you know, the biggest thing is uh, Connect versus Move. Uh, basically, the, the ideas behind the two, I mean, they're obviously fundamentally flawed with the Move, and the Connect has a lot more applications and a lot of other things. But basically, um, you know, the Connect is has just been a way larger success than the Move, and that's fine. Uh, oh, but. That, that... Absolutely. The move is just really updated Wii worlds, while the Connect is actually something unique. So I'm wondering if maybe we want to take a shot in the dark at what the PlayStation 4 is going to be now that we know, now that we supposedly know what the Xbox 720 is going to be. So I say, um, I say instead of having glasses, what, uh, instead of having glasses that are on your face, I say what PlayStation is going to do is try to do that transparent LCD stuff. So that it's like half Wii pad and half glasses. And it all awful. Um, or, or they come out of nowhere and show us how they have full-on holographic capabilities, which will be awesome. That would be awesome. Although, what would that, I mean, what would that look like? Because you would have to buy a awesome. TV. Isn't that right? I think, I think awesome. you're going to, I think with the PS4, you're going to see more focus, um, you're going to see more focus on how their, uh, their products work well with other Sony products. Like their PlayStation works best with Sony 3D TVs. Like they're gonna they're gonna boost that. They're they're gonna focus on their core set of 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 positive, and they're gonna focus on that. I would I, I hope I don't know how they're gonna innovate any. They're gonna innovate anything because like the the Wii U has the giant touchscreen of death. The 360 or the 720 is gonna have possibly connected glasses and a Connect 2.0 and and Microsoft is coming out with smart glass, so I don't. So Sony, by not announcing anything like that, the big, I think one of the biggest strengths is going to be being able to transfer things straight from their PS3 to the PS Vita. I think that's going to be one of the things you're going to push for the new PS4s. They're going to say, "Hey, you can play Metal Gear Solid 3 on your PS4." Then you're going to go be able to say they're going to do the transferring thing that that they announced uh, Konami announced last year with, you know, say, "All right, you can take that exact same save." Put it to a cloud without even paying attention to what you're doing. Pull out your PS Vita on the car ride or the train, train to work and do that. And if they put that on more games, saying you can play God of War Ascension multiplayer on your PS Vita, then that's going to be what they're going to focus on. I mean, it, it all depends on how they spin it, I think. Because yeah. if they come out with the PlayStation 4 and basically it has the same sort of graphical output, the same sort of specs or whatever, and all the graphics kind of look the same. Because I think I think we can all agree that in the next generation, um, so Wii U is coming out and it's going to look a lot like a PlayStation 3 and an Xbox 720, or an Xbox 360. Now, Xbox 720 and PlayStation 4 obviously are going to look a lot better than the Wii U. I think it's going to be the same story all over again. But, I mean, I think we can agree on that. But I think, um, depending, it depends on how Sony is going to spin it. Because if, uh, if, you know, Wii has the Wii Pro Controller, the Wii Mote, the Nunchuck... Uh, they have the gamepad. They have uh, the Wii Fitness, uh, the Wii, the balance board. If Microsoft has the Kinect and the glasses and the controller, and all of a sudden Sony comes out with this new thing, they're like, "Listen, you know what input devices we have? We have this one controller. We have this one controller, one game console, and we're focused on making the best games possible." Now, if they say something like that, 
and they put a really good spin on it, they're going to make gamers rally around them. However, if you take a look at just what the hardware offerings are with the different gaming experiences you can have, obviously PlayStation would be gimped with that. So, I mean, what we're looking at here is either Sony is going to try to take the we are proud core gamers and we always will be and we are going to give you the best quality game titles or... LOL, we have this peripheral that's sort of like the Microsoft thing and sort of like the Wii thing, but it doesn't work quite as good, and we think it's going to be better, and we want to convince you of that, but we're not going to be able to, which is exactly what they did with the Move. And, yeah. I mean, obviously oh. that didn't work. I got it. I know what they're doing with the PlayStation. I know what they're doing. I okay. got this. Okay. What's up? They're going to make a super powerful console that can play two games at once. Now, now, hear me out. You can put in two separate games that aren't even the least bit related, and then you're going to put on those super cool Sony Google Glasses or something, and you can play one game, and the TV will output the other game to whoever to whatever's happening on those other glasses, and so you and a roommate or a friend or whatever can sit there and play two different games at the same time on the same TV on the same console. That's what's up. And oh, actually, wait. believe it or not, that's technology that exists right now. Um, that's uh, – you can – on the same TV, because of the 3D thing, essentially what they do is they flash an image at you and then they flash another image at you, right? Whenever you have the 3D glasses, what it's doing is flashing an image to your right eye, flashing an image to your left eye, and that's how your mind perceives 3D. So what they can do with that is if you set it specifically to just the left eye channel or just the right eye channel – all of a sudden, you take a look at the uh, at the TV. You get to see two different images with two different sets of glasses. Now, if you have glasses with earbuds in them and maybe microphones for you know doing online gaming or something, yeah, you're absolutely right. All of a sudden, you can have two games running on the exact same TV doing completely different things with two different people. That would be really cool. I cannot yeah, I, agree I, I more. I was only maybe like 30% joking in that one. I seriously think they're going to try and come out with something that really utilizes this glasses idea because I think it's a really cool idea. And they may really bank on that because it doesn't – it's not something that they can use on the console without it being all that that console is about. You can still use it as just the one game, one console, what PlayStation's been like in the past, and still be great at. But it also has the other capability of slipping in a second disc and gaming on the same thing on the same TV. That would just be freaking cool. And I want to call it now that that's what they're going to do with the PlayStation 4. I'm probably wrong, but I really hope I'm not. Well, it... I think in in big overstrokes is that that's what a lot of the that's what all three companies are looking towards is inter, not interrupting your the user experience of using a device uh, at all like trying to make sure that you're getting as much usage time out of whatever device you're they've made for you to purchase is that they're getting as, they're trying to get you to use it as much as possible smart glass where you're playing Halo and you're using your iPad to look up information about the forerunners you know, glasses where you're able to play two games or you're able to look up other information or your heads-up displays on the glasses. They're trying to give you peripherals that are connected in a very intuitive and fundamental way that isn't, like, very... that isn't weird. It's not raw. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a light gun. It's, it's just something that's easy to understand, like a watch. It's a super like light a, gun with raw yeah. attachments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Casey, let's just, let's just say... So Devin, Devin obviously is with is with glasses, uh, doing two different TV, two different images at the same time. Let's get one quick like thing that you think maybe Sony will come up with to get against 720. I'll come up with mine, and then we will go ahead and wrap this thing up. I want to. I want. I'm hoping what I what I think they'll see is they're you're going to see a um, a portable PS a portable PS4. You're going to see Vita. That's you're going to see Vita being able to to do things that interact. with 
PS the PS4 that that other consoles can't. You're going to be able to see them transfer saves, put, put, uh, purchase games on, uh, um, through the Vita, and put them on the 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 PS4 via cloud saves. You're going to be able to see them do a lot of things that keep the the user experience similar and also very uh, connected. Because I'm pretty I'm I'm betting that the new interface for the PS4 is going to be similar to the Vita to the Vita interface, where it's like bubbles and you're using apps instead of the cross media bar. I'm betting they're going to change that to make it a, a similar connective experience from one device to the next. And what I think is, I mean, I was only half joking with the uh, with the uh, transparent LCD screen thing, but I think that's actually going to be a thing. I, I think um, having that transparent piece of glass, they showed that off. Samsung showed that off. Um, I think Sony may have had one. But, I mean, essentially it's just a piece of, of LCD that you can see through and you can control the opacity on it. So basically imagine if you had – imagine like a like a, a PNG image. So you have RGB and alpha. So you can increase or decrease that alpha to show transparency. So if you have that um, as sort of like a Wii gamepad, you can all of a sudden look through it without having to use a camera. And it can display images. Uh, you can actually see through it. It's not. It's not doing the the camera system like the gamepad does on the Wii U. And uh, you get to do heads up display information. Uh, but it's not necessarily. It's not necessarily just that. Otherwise, you'd just be holding up a piece of glass all the time, right? So I would say you're going to be seeing something like that, maybe, um, or something in which uh, maybe your Android tablets can connect to your PlayStation device and uh, be able to play because Sony's not going to come out with its own mobile operating system. And they've already shown that Android things can be done and approved for the PlayStation suite. So that's what I think. Um, This has been the Aristogamer (laughs) podcast for June, everybody. So any final thoughts, anyone? I just really want to see a picture of Rob holding holding a couple of light guns right now. That's pretty much all I'm focused on. I will get that to you shortly. Thank you. All more, right, more uh, awesome Casey. Games. More awesome games. I Thank love you. them all. I agree. So this has been uh, Colby, Devin, and uh, Casey, and I guess we will see you next month. Have a good month of good gaming. Later. Yes, sir.